0: Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, our coming Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is the Gospel lesson, which really is in many respects a text that speaks about what we should be doing as we wait for the coming of our Lord once again. But it is an unusual text, a conversation between the resurrected Christ and Peter, and John. I'll read these words. Jesus said to Peter, Feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God, if you can recall Legend is that Peter was crucified upside down. Then he said to him, Follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Here ends our text. I was reading about a recent archeological discovery in Jerusalem this past week. They were gonna clean up, I guess, do some archeological work over the tomb of Christ where he had been buried. This holy sepulcher, as it is oftentimes called, Uh, was something that had actually been set apart in a very sacred way by the Emperor Constantine at the beginning of the fourth century. He had sent his people down to the Holy Land in order to be able to find those places that were not too far off only a few hundred years and there they identified the cave where Jesus body had been laid. It began to dawn upon me in a strange kind of way that as they discovered this stone which they believed now was the very stone upon which Jesus' body had been laid, etched with a cross in the stone, that this was the very stone upon which a true and living body of the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, had been laid, and that this Jesus that rose from that grave is alive Alive even today, and in, as certainly as the resurrection itself took place, that he will come back again. And this is something which I guess should capture our minds and our hearts in the Advent season as we think about the fact that our Lord is coming back again. Yes, we celebrate that time as they waited for him to come. We celebrate the fact that he did come and we saw him and we heard from him. Now we are going to look forward to that day when he is going to return once again, the same Jesus that was talking to Peter and to John as he was getting ready to leave and ascend up into heaven. What is it that we're supposed to be doing as we wait for Christ to come back again. And I think that was on the minds of these disciples with the departure of Jesus. What is it that you would want us to do? Jesus says very simply to Peter, feed my sheep. But he says it three times. Why? Because as Peter had denied him three times. A grievous thing, a hard thing to remember, but that Jesus would turn and give to Peter the responsibility of feeding his own flock after Peter had denied him three times somehow seems to indicate that our desire to be prepared for our Lord's coming to be faithful to him while we wait for him to come in great part is driven by our desire and our thanksgiving to him for having forgiven us for our own sins and offenses. What is our business now as we wait for our Lord to come? Well, we have received from our Lord a vocation. In fact, we have at least two of them. We have something called a temporal vocation. That is something known as a job. And if we think that we got our job merely because we went out and applied for it, the fact of the matter is, is that in every vocation that we take up, we have to recognize that God has called us to that vocation. Or maybe even if we've lost a job, he has called us away from a certain vocation. But in our minds, in our minds, we so easily think That our vocations, those things that we do those six days out of the week, that that's something that we do that doesn't really have anything to do with God or his callings of us. And that supposedly then the one time that we really do have some kind of God calling is here on Sunday morning for that one hour or whatever it might be, where we supposedly are there doing something that has to do with God. But that's not true. God has everything to do with our vocation, our job, where he calls us into service to him by the way in which we serve those who employ us. Every single one of us has been given natural gifts and talents that God gave to us that he wants us to use to our maximum ability. We are carpenters and farmers, businessmen and businesswomen, doctors and teachers and managers and employers. No matter what that job is that we might have, no matter how high and no matter how low that job might be, you know we always think of kind of the garbage collector as the person who's at the low end of that spectrum, but what would our life be if we didn't have them? That every single one of us has been given gifts and talents by God for the purpose of serving not just the world in which we live, but to serve him by the way in which we serve the world in which we, uh, we are born. So, when we divorce our vocations from the God who calls us to them, we are actually sinning against the first article of the Apostles' Creed, that is the doctrine and teaching of the first article. To say we believe he has given us our body and our soul, our eyes, our ears, our members, Luther's explanation to that first article, is to say he's given us these things for a purpose. We end our explanation to the first article with these words For all which it is my duty to thank and to praise, to serve and obey him, to serve. That is to say that God has given us talents. And abilities and he has called us to the vocations that we have in our temporal life and when we f- fulfill that vocation with integrity we are working to serve God it is so interesting that just prior to this text where Jesus is speaking to his disciples Peter and his friends and his other disciples are out fishing this was his vocation prior to the time that he had been called by Christ to serve him. And yet, what do we find? That Peter and the others were out and they had been fishing all night long and their nets were out and they caught absolutely nothing. And as Jesus comes and stands on the seashore, he says, throw your nets over on the other side. And when they obey and listen, their nets are filled with fish. Peter comes to realize that our temporal vocations, the jobs that we have, what we do on a daily basis when we serve him, he is the one who decides how to prosper us. And it is through his blessing that we prosper in those vocations. So in the light of Christ's coming, our ultimate and our greater employer, we remember, is God himself who has called us to go into this world and to bring praise and glory to him by the way in which we fulfill our jobs, our vocations, our callings with integrity. But we also have another vocation, another calling. And this is one that the world does not have. It's one that only Christians have. When you were baptized, God called you into service in the kingdom of God. Yeah, the kingdom means wherever the king exercises his domain. That is to say, wherever it is that the word of God goes, wherever the word of God reaches people, wherever the forgiveness of sins is made known, wherever the sacraments are to be found, that's where it is that God has called us to serve in this kingdom. Our vocation in the first place is to simply be sheep. Yeah, our calling is not merely in what we do. Our calling is first and foremost in what we believe. Just as sheep have a calling to listen to the voice of their shepherd and to be fed by their shepherd and to be watered by their shepherd, so also our vocational calling is to hear the word of God And believe it is to hear the forgiveness that comes from him and to believe it is to hear his call to serve him and to believe it so thus in the same way that sheep when they eat and when they drink they bear wool so also as Christians when we hear God's Word something begins to happen inside of us we begin to do good works that are a service not only to God but also to our neighbor. Yeah, it is getting difficult nowadays, isn't it, to understand how it is that we will serve our neighbor and what this means. We have a vocational calling in the kingdom of God to also therefore care for other sheep and lambs like Christ would have us care for his sheep. In one respect, there is a general call That is to say, when he says to Peter and it says to him, feed my sheep, he's not just speaking to Peter, he's actually speaking to the whole church. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. And how do we go about serving in this kingdom? Well, when you were baptized, God gave you spiritual gifts. Yeah, you all have, each person who is a Christian has received spiritual gifts from God and those gifts the Apostle Paul describes like different parts of the body. One person's an eye, one person's an ear, one person's a hand, one person's a foot, one person's an arm, one person's a leg, one person's a lungs, one person is a heart. In this body of believers, God has given gifts, and the gifts are there for the purpose of serving the general good of all. This is something which is become difficult nowadays because we are entering into an era where volunteerism, serving one another in the church, is becoming harder and harder. We're all kind of serving ourselves. It is something where we stop to think of what we're receiving. Yes, we want to receive the word of God. But now God has called us into service of one another. And when we take those spiritual gifts and we enter into the service of one another in the kingdom, this is how it is that God's kingdom is advanced. But there's also a specific calling to the office of the holy ministry, which is what it is that he was calling Peter and John to do. Jesus called Peter, didn't he? The one who had denied him to this job It is a power to do so that lies only in God's grace. Peter denied his Lord, and now Peter, out of God's grace, out of his forgiveness, is now ready to be able to do something that no ordinary human being would do. That by following Christ... He would find himself one day being bound and going up to a place that he did not want to go but it would be a place where he was going to be crucified and put to death for the sake of the faith that he was going to proclaim. Peter's pardon would ultimately be the thing which would sustain him through this agonizing moment of crucifixion. As he looks at John Well, what about him? As though somehow would John experience the same fate, Jesus basically says, what is that to you? John was perhaps the only disciple who died a natural death. But in the end, no two disciples will ever serve in the same way in the kingdom of God as God the Holy Spirit wills that service in the world. So in the light of Christ's coming once again, Let us consider what it is that we might be doing as we anticipate his appearance, both at Christmas and his appearance at the end of time. Let's have a look at our vocations, and let's sanctify them. That is to say, let's look at our daily calling in life and regard it as God's calling. And as our eyes are fastened upon this one great goal of making known the gospel and the sacraments and the forgiveness of sins to a broken and a fallen world, a world for whom Christ died. Let us consider how each of us might take those spiritual gifts that have been given unto us and use them in service to one another and to advance this wonderful gospel in what we call the kingdom of God. In his holy name, We pray, amen. Now, may this peace of God that surpasses all human understanding guard and keep your thoughts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.